This is A Drink with a Friend. I'm Tish Oxenreiter. And I'm Seth Haynes. Seth, what are you drinking? Oh, man, you know what I did. I went downstairs and I got that coffee, Tish. Yeah. Hail fellow well met. Okay. It's black today. Mm-hmm. Like zero cream, no soccer mom. This is the no... So-, so I went full soccer mom. And then last week I went half soccer mom. And this week I went zero soccer mom, straight up coal miner, <laughs> working in the rigs, uh, you know, under the ground, mm-hmm. you know, with canaries and... Hoping not to die of the black lung. That's the kind of coffee I'm drinking today. You know what? I looked up that phrase, hail fellow well met, last night because it was on Downton Abbey. And I was like, I oh, keep hearing well, you know. this. What is going on? So we looked it yeah. up. Mm. Means a good guy. Yeah, well, so. it's a good guy. And I am I like to think that I'm a good yeah. guy. So I'm drinking their coffee, their black coffee, coal miner coffee <laughs> from the just the bottom depths of Mordor coffee, and I'm loving every minute okay. of it. So what are you drinking today? Um, kind of the same. Black Coffee 309, my local coffee shop, El Salvador. Um, it's good. It's fine. I like their other kind better, the uh, Ethiopia, but this will work. I just kind of picked up a bag because it was available, and I like it. I so. mean, listen, availability is uh, <laughs> is always the, the brother of necessity. That's not how it goes. Something. No. <laughs> I just made that up. I just created that out of thin air. <laughs> I, I, I use words for living. Yeah. Okay. Well, we have got around the table two more friends. So we got to hear what they are drinking. We have got Sean and Miley who have joined us. Uh, you've heard Sean before, but uh, we've got his wife with them too. So guys, what are y'all drinking? I am drinking... It's called Tea Pigs. It's their berry blend. I, I know, right? So quick aside, every week I go to this um, discount grocery that's like 15 minutes from our house. And it's how we feed our kids. And everything's dirt cheap. And you can get like really exotic sort of stuff for like pennies. Anyway, I found this box, a little bit tattered, but it said Tea Pigs. Mm. And I don't drink caffeine. Oh. So it was decaf. So I gave it a whirl. It's it's good. Yeah. So a couple things, Miley. One, um, I'm imagining like a Ron Swanson food and stuff <laughs> vibe uh, <laughs> is where you're shopping for those of you who like Parks and Rec. But two, is this like a pork tea? I'm going to imagine this is like pork flavored tea. Right. <laughs> I hope it's not because I, I'm vegetarian. So that would oh, be a big oh problem. Oh, boy. No caffeine, no meat. I don't understand how you survive in this world. <laughs> uh, funny. So that's what's All in right. my cup. Sean. I'm drinking just a straight black tea today with a little creamer in it. Um, the brand is PG Tips. Yeah. Which, you know, number one, I saw it at, I was at a different grocery store, a little bit more upscale, (laughs) and I saw it in their international section, and it reminded me of when we lived in England, so I had to get a box. I used to get it anytime I would go to England, and then I found out it's like at, you know, our local grocery store, but it is from England, and it's like their (laughs) staple, you know, yeah, Yeah. so nice choice. All right. Yeah. Okay. So I get uh, there's a bourgeois drinker here and a proletariat drinker here. <laughs> and uh, yeah, aren't you fancy, yeah. Sean? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we've got you on here because we just well mostly because we just really enjoy chatting with y'all. But um, we also just wanted to talk with y'all about what you're learning 
as you go about your lives as writers. You're both storytellers. You're both fiction writers. That's rare in a couple. Um, what What's on your mind with that? Like, what are you learning these days as, as you go about that work? Well, I mean, I feel like the last year or two has just been a constant reminder that first drafts are awful. <laughs> just lean into that and keep writing mm-hmm. because otherwise it's just, it's too devastating. You know, when, when you're writing during the day and then at night you're reading beautiful literature and you're thinking, Oh, the gap, the gap is just so enormous. Yep. Um, but I think if we can, if I can just remember first draft, first draft, first draft, it's not going to be good. Get it down. And then you have something to work with. It puts me in a much better mindset. And, and even if the, you know, the end 20th revision still isn't quite what I was hoping it would be, um, that mindset at least keeps me writing. Do you edit as you go or do you just write the whole first draft first? I try not to edit as I go. I find that in the beginning, I'm kind of, it's like trying to get something started, trying to get some kind of a machine going. And so I'll go back and I'll read through my beginning again. And then I'll, once I get momentum, the answer is no, I do not revise as I go. But in the beginning, I tend to revise a little bit Hmm. more. Now, Sean, for those uh, who might be listening, who aren't uh, as aware of you, one of the things that I like to say in, um, when I'm coaching uh, a writer or communicator is, you know, don't sort of say things that you don't have authority to say, like stick within your authoritative wheelhouse. And so the question I'm always asking people is what gives you the authority to say that? So what gives you the authority to talk about writing books, Sean? (laughs) And what I mean by that is like, tell our listeners, like how many books have you written? What kind of books do you write? Like, give them an introduction to the uh, literary life that is Sean Smucker. I'm very hesitant to assume that authority. I will tell you that. <laughs> come, on, um, come on, you've got I, it. <laughs> I know, I, I really am. But I I started off by co-writing and ghostwriting about 12 years ago. I mean, I was always a writer even before that. But I sort of, that became my day job 12 years ago when I started co-writing and ghostwriting for other people. I've probably done about 30, 35 projects for other people. Um, and then in 2014, I started writing fiction for numerous reasons. Um, I'd always wanted to, and just felt like the time was right. And after I finished my first book, I just realized I had so far to go, you know, it was like, Oh shoot. I'm not a like savant. I'm not just like going to pick this up and write the most beautiful thing in the world. So I thought to myself at the time, the only way I'm going to get better is if I start, get through the middle, and finish novel after novel after novel. And so my goal became to write 10 novels in 10 years. Oh. That was um, about six novels ago, six years ago-ish. Um, so I don't know if that gives me any authority or not. I live, eat, and breathe storytelling and fiction uh, I write all day. I go to bed. I read about writing at night. I, I love stories. Um, so I, I think again, the whole authority issue, I just feel like I want to hang out with people who want to talk and think about writing. And so yeah. if someone wants to do that with me and we can help each other learn, then that's awesome. 
Which, I mean, which the thing for you is you're super lucky, right? Because you want to be with, talk with, live around, be in community with people who want to talk about stories and tell stories. And your lovely wife, who I must say is much lovelier than you are, (laughs) also loves to eat, breathe, uh, drink, sometimes uh, imagine stories of her own. So Miley, tell us, what, what is your sort of literary life? What does it look like? Oh, goodness. Um, you know what? It looks like, oh, just like shoving moments of writing in the midst of every possible activity you could imagine because we have six kids and that in and of itself requires so much time and energy. And so really it's been um, me over the past probably five years or so when I really decided I've, I've always loved writing stories from as far back as I can remember. But then when we started having kids um, that really took the back burner. And, and so about five years ago, I decided, Hey, I can't do this anymore. Like I'm, my mm. soul is like literally withering up inside mm-hmm. me and dying. So I have to start writing again. We had some hard discussions and then started making the time for it. And it's still a constant, you know, juggling the schedule, trying to find just the nooks and crannies when I can fit it in. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, that's, that's what it looks like. Miley, I'm, I'm curious as a fellow mom, well, just we're all parents here and we're all in that messy middle of, you know, we've got kids ranging teenage to younger. Um, You say that you needed to write because it was going to make you wither or you felt yourself withering. Have you seen an effect on your own like non-writing side of you because of your writing? As in like, how does, how is it affecting your mothering and your being Sean's wife? I'm curious. Yes, it absolutely does. I always say, I remember reading, um, where'd you go Bernadette? And there's a section in it where, uh, her friend is telling Bernadette's friend is saying to her, if you don't create, you will become a menace to society. And when I read that, I was like, Oh my word, that's mm. it. I, I have become a menace to society. <laughs> <laughs> that's that explains why you are robbing society. banks and <laughs> knocking over old ladies in the park and stealing their purses. Right. It had to stop. It had to stop. Yeah. So I read that and it so resonated with me because there is a marked difference and I don't, I can't understand it, but there is a marked difference between me when I've had in 20 minutes, even just 20 minutes to write and me when I've had no writing time at all during a day, I'm more patient. I'm more cheerful. Like I don't, I don't get that side of it. I don't understand how that all adds up. Mm I just know that it does. Right. Like I've experienced it. So, <laughs> um, so if anything, when you were asking earlier, Tish, like what we've learned with our like writing journey, I think just recently what I've learned is that writing is for all of us. It's not just for the folks who are being published. Yes. Like it's for all of us because. It's a, it's, it's a need, like it's a basic need and, and not just, not just writing itself, but creativity, like us partaking in creativity is absolutely essential to who we Mm -hmm. are as humans, you know, and whatever form that takes, you know, it takes different forms for everybody, but I feel so strongly about it. I truly do. 
It kind of reminds me of um, Liz Gilbert has talked about this before. Um, she got a I forget which breed of dog, but she said it was basically a farm dog, and she would leave the house and it would chew on her couch. And uh, long story short, she basically made the connection that she needs to give this dog a job, otherwise she's going to chew the couch. And uh, we talk about this in our own family because we have a kid. Um, our youngest is like that. We call him farm dog because if we don't give him something to do, he's going to metaphorically chew the couch. You know, whether that looks like setting <laughs> does he ever the house on fire or whatever. Does he ever like like literally chew the couch? He could if if it got okay, really bad. Right. But <laughs> it kind of has that feel too. You know what I mean? Like if you don't give yourself that outlet you're gonna chew the couch um and so i think we all have that even if we if we don't maybe necessarily connect the dots to storytelling we all have that need to do something with with that stuff inside of us absolutely it's so funny i was just talking to my mom today and she had um my dad was away on vacation for a week with my brother. It was like a guy's trip. And so she had a whole week to herself and she organized her entire house and she said miley this must be how it feels for you when you finish a novel. <laughs> because when I finished cleaning out my house, I, I feel like I am just floating. I'm on like cloud nine. And she enjoyed every minute of it. And wow. I thought, wow, <laughs> that's it. Like, that's it. Like, it's creativity in a different way. But it's still fulfilling this need in her to organize and make things, you know look pretty. And, um, it was just interesting for her to say like, that must be how it is. And I was like, wow, yeah, that's your thing, mom. Yeah. Yeah. And those are, that's something I will never say ever. (laughs) I just had such a great time cleaning out that closet. That is never going to happen to me. So let me ask a question of both of you, because I think, you know, you know, I, this, um, last month I wrote a little piece about, about writing, for the people in my Substack community, and a lot of people responded and talked about just like personal writing, like, "Hey, I'm not here to to write for publishing. I'm not here to, you know, be, a, you know, a novelist or whatever. But I do keep a journal, or I do write poetry on the side, or I do whatever on the side." Um, and all of them talked about really interestingly. And I say all of them. A lot of them talked about how, um, for whatever reason, there's been a great season of sort of static or resistance to use the Pressfield Pressfieldian term uh, from the war of art, which I know, I think Sean, you're a fan of that book, aren't you? Are all of us yeah, fans of have, that book? Yeah. 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 So um, I, I think a lot about the resistance. I, what, what are some of the things in your own lives um, that you find, you know, it, if you know that writing fills you with so much joy, what are the things that you find keep you from the desk, distract you from the desk? What What are the resistance points in your life? I mean, the biggest one for me is, is this nagging voice that says, this will not be important. Like what you're writing will never be well known. It will never be widely read. Um, and that, I mean, for a couple of years, three, four years, that was a pretty effective voice. I mean, I wrote through it, but it was constantly nagging me. And I think just having, you know, since we started this course and since Miley's been writing a lot more and I see the difference it makes in her, this whole idea that she said, like writing is for everyone. It it just reinforced to me that, um, and even stuff that you've said in the past, Seth, to me, like I remember when my first book came out, and you sent me that wonderful text. It was so encouraging. 
um, this book will not do for you what you want this book to do for you. <laughs> That's um, Yeah. <laughs> no, it was awful. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, yeah, right. But however, to come, you know, to, to be able to embrace that and to still write, to think, you know yeah. what, I'm just going to immerse myself in this story for the sake of it, um, has been a huge help to me in overcoming yeah. that particular resistance. Yeah. Yeah. I think for me is again, I think so for so many people, it's the voices, right? What mm-hmm. I, and, and they can take on whatever subject they want. I think for me, it is definitely the voices that say you started too late. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, you oh. know, your prime years, they're gone because yeah. I spent so many years raising kids and that there was a, I'll be honest, there was a period of time when I was like, ah, shoot, you know, why did I do that? Not that why did I have these kids, but like, yeah. why didn't I, why didn't I make writing a priority back then? And I think I've come to just embrace that that's the choice that I made. And I wasn't, I don't know that I was in a space where I could have done both, to be honest, if I wanted to be a good mom. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've, I've come to peace with that. But there still is that feeling of I'm still trying to play catch up mm-hmm. and I'm never going to catch up. And why am I doing like, why am I wasting my time? I might as well just go like bake a cake or something mm-hmm. and, and, and just forget it all. But then, you know, then I go back to, this is actually a form of self care for myself. So that's why I'm going to do it. And that's what gets me to the desk. You know, I think it's I think it's important to like really actually speak into that voice. So I just did a quick Google search. So who knows if this is accurate or not, but the Google says it is. Um about just authors who started late. You know, like it's I don't think it's ever too late to start writing. But uh Toni Morrison wrote her first novel after the age of thirty nine. Bram wow. Stoker didn't write Dracula until he was fifty. Uh, Anthony Burgess was was 39. I mean, Laura Ingalls Wilder was in her mid 60s when she published Little House on the Prairie. So, I mean, you, you think about like these effective voices that can totally shut you down, right? Like mm-hmm. they, they work. Um, but by the same token, like we forget that you know we're not the only ones to face these resistances, these these forms of resistance, these inner voices, and and certainly, I mean even if we never overcome them, others have, and that should give us a great deal of courage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, for me, a lot of times it, it does come down to reminding myself again and again, why do you write? Why do you write? Mm-hmm. Like, because if you are writing be solely because, you know, you want to win a Pulitzer, if you're solely writing kids books because you want to win a Newberry, like if your writing life will not be enough without those things, then like get a date, get another day job, get a night hobby, yeah. like do something else because that is a road to disappointment. That is, yeah, ego, that is just ego a really is hard enemy. road. Yeah. yeah. Ego, yeah. ego is the enemy of, of, of really any craft, I think. Yes. So I'm curious, Sean and Miley too. Um, Seth and I are both big Steinbeck fans. And so when you started doing your video of a novel, I saw that and I thought, yes, I'm so glad you're doing this. But tell us a little bit more about what your end game and what your process is in, in walking us through that. I have no idea. <laughs> I, I have always wanted to do okay. this. I've always wanted to do it. And um, I don't know where it's going to go. Like, I don't, 
and it's sort of interesting that I chose the novel that I chose to write because I had a couple different ideas for my next one. And this one is actually kind of unpublishable. <laughs> um, Don't say that. Simply Don't because that. It, well, it, because of the content, it sort of would fall into like fan fiction, but like fan fiction slash copyright violation <laughs> based on a character that I'm using. Is his name like oh, Larry Schmatter? <laughs> <laughs> Not quite. Not quite, but it might have a large cat in it. A large, oh, it might, yeah, it might. So I have been, I have been thinking about this story for a very, very long time, and I have constantly put it off because I thought, what's the point, you know? And then I have this wife who just keeps telling me or asking me why aren't you writing that? Like, why aren't you writing it? And well, you know, I don't think I could, who cares? Who cares? Write the story, you know, like write the story. And I'm so glad I'm doing it because the fact that it would almost be unpublishable has sort of made, like taken a lot of the pressure off. And I just think I am totally doing this for the fun of it, Mm. totally doing it for the fun of it. And so the video of a novel came from, you know, Steinbeck's Journal of a Novel, which I have always been fascinated with. I'm learning that having this daily practice is definitely pulling me back to the page very consistently. Um, Even if I'm not getting long writing sessions in, maintaining that thread of thought, you know, from day to day to day um, has been a very interesting exercise. Mm -hmm. That's really cool. Well, I'm excited about reading it slash watching it this year Um, (laughs) as it's in tandem with your nine month novel workshop, which um, you guys have open at the moment and our listeners should sign up for it, even if they don't plan to quote publish, right? Because writing's for everyone. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Tell us about the, uh, tell us about the program. I mean, this is, this is the most, when you first told me you were going to open this workshop, I was like, oh, that's so cute. And then <laughs> everybody signed up for it. And I was like, damn, Sean, that was a great idea. Um, I, I honestly didn't know how it would go over, man. I thought this is it's a good idea, but who knows if anybody's going to sign up for it. And boy, did people come out. It, yeah, it, it was. Um, it's just been a really, really amazing experience. Just because we we work and we jumped into it. So the whole premise was we realized that we have one another and that as we're writing and, and working through our novels, we can bounce ideas off of each other. Or if we're having a down day, the other one comes in and is like, hey, you got to keep at it. You can do it. You know, all of that encouragement that's like two steps away from you. And we realized that this is how we've been able to be as prolific as we have, because we have that built in to our house, you know? And so we wanted to be able to offer that to other people because writing is for everyone. And so we started this course, the nine month novel and just invited people to join up and we give basic information, like basic, basic teachings about writing. So if you didn't go to, we were both English majors. So kind of just Weekly videos on the elements of writing, the structure of a good story, a lot of um, intermediate level stuff. We get into a little bit more advanced with like 
uh, point of view and narrative voice. That's kind of fun. And we do some deep dives there. But for the most part, it's like, here are the basics of writing in weekly teaching videos that kind of correspond with where you would probably be um, as you made your way writing about 500 words a day for nine months. But the fun part that's been really surprising to both of us is that we do one-on-one calls with with each of our students um, three times throughout the course. And you really start to get to know people. And um, I don't know, like we just fell in love with them. They're so fun and quirky and, (laughs) and you hear their stories and you think, wow, like one guy has, his child has leukemia and, Mm. and just actually during our course was, was went into remission, remission, which was amazing. Um, like people going through relationship struggles and, Mm. um, parent or family members dying and like all of these situations that we get to kind of be alongside and say, Hey, keep writing, you know, if you can through this and it'll be helpful and seeing that like people are just, I think writers who are writing are some of the most hopeful people around. Like writers who have grown discouraged and are not writing are pretty miserable. But, Mm -hmm. you know, we had a class full of 20 to 25 people who were writing and, and you could feel the excitement And as people got to the end and they were saying, you know, I just finished, I just finished and everyone would go crazy. Like, um, it's just a really hopeful experience. Yeah. And energy gives way to energy, especially Mm -hmm. creative energy. You know, if you're surrounding yourself, I'm sure for you guys, if you're, while you're teaching this class, do you find yourselves having more energy to create? Oh yeah. Oh, I think what we both discovered was the importance of community. Mm -hmm. And we had, we had the community of each other, but even this bigger community of folks, because we would do Zoom calls and people are getting to know each other and people are encouraging each other and then encouraging each other on our on our network group that we have. And suddenly, like, everybody's talking about writing and getting excited about writing and has interest in each other's stories. And um, it, it does. It gives you energy to just keep at it. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. find that in, like, many things in life, you think you don't have enough time to do it. But once you make the time, it's like everything else fits just how it should. You know what I mean? It's almost like when you have a really full day, you end up feeling better than when you have a wide open Mm -hmm. day, even though you think you want a day of nothing. And you end up just kind of feeling uh, blah. That's me anyway. Um, It kind of resonates with that, I think. I think if you add in, especially if what you're adding in is like a really life-giving activity, it does have a a domino effect Mm -hmm. through the rest of your day, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and for those of you who are listening and you may be saying, I'm not a novelist. I don't write novels. I don't write poetry. I just scratch out sentences in my journal, man, that is 100% cool. Um, you know, the, the idea is not that you work in a certain genre or that you write a certain number of words a day, 500 words a day for a lot of people is a lot. It's just that you're going to the journal that you're actually Mm -hmm. taking the time to use language. Um, you know, language is a powerful tool. There's, you know, Eugene Peterson talks about how, how language is like sort of the thing we share in common with the divine. Um, and so if you're out there and you're saying like, like novels, that's not, not my thing. That's totally cool. Um, continue working in your journal. You know, I, I, um, just read a book we've talked about on the show. It's called, um, the gospel and Gerard Manley Hopkins. Have you heard of this book, Sean or Miley? No. Oh, you guys would both love it. I know you would love it uh, because of the conversations we've had. 
but it talks all the time like like you know he was an anglican and when he became catholic in a young age as young sort of impulsive people do he burned all his poetry did you know this about him he like lit a match set it on fire so he had zero poetry and um what's really funny though is that um you know as as sort of impulsive as he was, and I'm never going to write again, he still kept writing in a journal. And to read his journal entries and to say, this isn't poetry, I mean, he was kidding himself to say Mm -hmm. he wasn't still writing poetry. You know what I mean? Um, And it was all private. It was all in a journal. And so I guess my question to you guys is like, maybe somebody would say to you, I'm not a writer. Like, what, what would you say to them about the power of using words, even just in your personal life? Um, I'll say this. So I, I've been a journaler for years. So even though I wasn't writing, um, fiction for all those years, I've journaled ever since I, I I could hold a pencil. Mm -hmm. So what I found, and, and I don't know that this is true for everybody, but I was just saying to a friend just the other day, I don't know what I really think about something until I write it down. Mm -hmm. So, and, and what happens for me, and again, this goes back to like being a better person because of writing. What happens to me is I feel all of that information, all of those experiences start to kind of like clog up my insides. Mm -hmm. And if I haven't had my time each day to write in my, in my journal. And then when I finally have that moment, it's, it's like, you know, it, it's that watershed moment where it just all comes out and then it all starts to make sense. And then I feel like a good person <laughs> again. And, and so I guess my thing would be, do the question would be, do you feel that something is stopping you up for lack of a better phrase? Yeah. You know, is there yeah. something that's, I say to Sean, I feel like I'm a drain and it's like all clogged up, like yeah. tons of stuff in there. And then when I write, it like pulls all of that out and then the water can flow. And That's so beautiful. I think it's about maybe, maybe some self-reflection and saying, is there something here that I need to get out and I can't get out any other way, but writing. And maybe that's just kind of a little experiment that you do with yourself. What's interesting is that in our memoir class, which started in October, we see a lot of the more personal writing, um, and we see this happening all the time. So people get on and say, Hey, I had no idea. I didn't even have this. I didn't even know I remembered this. Like this memory was completely not in my mind that I knew of. And I sat down to write about something. And then this other crazy memory came up and this is nuts. Why is this happening? You know? And I think that we do have so much inside of us that we don't even realize until we take the time to just start free writing and, the stories that will come out if you start writing about your life, writing about the people you love, writing about your family, writing about your early years, like it's it's pretty incredible how that how that how that clears the it does it it's, clears it's, the drain. Yeah, it's therapeutic for yeah. sure. Yeah. It's good. Well, as we wind down, we like to wrap up our time around the table chatting about something that's making our lives more beautiful. I don't know about you guys, but I am watching a storm come in. It's just the gray blah Mm. season that a lot of us are, you know, in the Northern Hemisphere are are living in. So it's good to notice the little beautiful things. So Sean or Miley, whoever wants to go first, what's something in your life that's just adding a bit more beauty right now? I'll go first. You go first. Um, 
again, talk about being late to the game on things. Another thing I I feel like I'm late to the game on is house plants. Ah. Never never really got into house plants. I growing up we had plastic <laughs> plants, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um I don't think my mom felt like she was a single mom. I don't feel like she had the time to deal with yeah. it, you know. And um so I never felt confident in having plants in my house. So we just recently moved this past summer and I decided I'm doing this houseplant thing because it looks so fun. And it has been amazing. Like they feel like my little babies, you know, like you go, I go around once a week and I'm like watering everybody, seeing how everybody's doing, checking in. And, and I love it. Like it's, it's like a pet that you don't have to take out to pee and right. poop, you know, and you don't have to like give them more affection than you really feel like. I mean, I can give them like a minute and that's good, you know, yeah. like, so I, I love walking into any given room in the house and seeing a blooming plant. That's fantastic. <laughs> it is. It, it really does feed my soul with yeah. beauty. I get it. I get it. It's good. Sean, how about you? So I kind of want to do two. You. I know. Well, okay. So the first one is, we'll see if we have time. The first one is my oldest son, Kate and I have started working out in the mornings. And this is not something that I have done for a long time. So I played soccer growing up. I played soccer through college. Once I graduated, I was done. Like I checked out. I had run enough laps. I had run enough miles. I was finished. And so I really didn't do very much. Occasionally I would try and start and it wouldn't really go anywhere. Well, in the new year, I had a goal to get in shape. And then my son mentioned he would like to do that as well. So we started doing these workouts in the basement every morning at 530. And it has been, dare I say, life-changing. And it's, and it's been really fun for us, you know, like he's a senior in high school. Yeah. He's got like probably eight months left at home or whatever. And so it's just been great to get up. And the cool thing is like, he really wants to do it. And a lot of times he wants to do it more than I do. So, um, that's been really fun. And you're becoming that's awesome. more beautiful. <laughs> and I'm becoming more beautiful, oh, apparently. That was I don't sweet, know. Miley. <laughs> and I will say, Sean, there's something to that. My son and I work out, my sons and I work out. Well, one of them almost every day together in the afternoons and one whenever he feels like not eating Twinkies on the couch or something. Um, and it is absolutely uh, life-changing and life-giving. Tish, what is one thing that you're listening to, watching, reading, <laughs> or planting, or lifting yeah. that is making your life uh, somewhat more beautiful? Well, talk about being late to the game. Um, I am currently reading my first Walker Percy novel so i'm reading the the movie goer i know um loving it so far i'm he's one of these writers that i'm like annoyed he's so good at like i'm you cannot compare yourself do not i know i can't i can't you cannot do that because it just feels so natural with him doesn't it like it just feels like he just picked this up and wrote it down in an afternoon yeah lost in the cosmos for instance pardon not to not to interrupt you but it's one of those books where you're like how fluid is this deep philosophy like how does this even come out of you right 
it's ridiculous. Anyway, the movie. Yeah, it's fantastic. I mean, I can't speak to it much because I'm a few chapters in, but I'm going to be talking with a friend about it in a few weeks, uh, Jessica Hooten Wilson. Um, We're going to be talking about it on her program. Um, But I was already reading it. So she's like, hey, have you ever read the moviegoer? Can we chat about it? I said, funny, you should ask. It's literally on my nightstand. So I started it up and um, so good. So good. I'm really annoyed that this is his first novel and it's as good as it is. Um, so that's okay. He he's I I love it. I, it's really good writing. That's all I can say. You call oh. him a master for a reason. There you go. All right, Seth. What about you? What you got? Well, you know I am a big fan of Substack, and I am on a six month uh, social media fast, which I will say has been life changing and very good. Um, I'm also very happy for those of you who continue to use social media and do it in your own way, and and that's amazing. Um, but I decided to take some time off and um, see see what I could sort of explore in other ways. So I've been reading a lot more, as you know, we've talked about this. Um, but one of the things that I decided to do was to explore and to really get to know Substack, like in earnest, mm. like how do we use this platform? And I had an email that said, hey, there's this thing called Substack Go. It's going to be a writing cohort. Mm. You're all going to get together. And I was like, well, I'll apply for it and see you know, if they let a weirdo get in. And the, evidently they did. And so I met with my um, group for the first time, eight of us, um, all from different backgrounds. And there is a particular, and I'm sure I'm going to talk about all of their writing at some point, but there is a particular writer in the group. His name is Roy. And Roy, during the pandemic, uh, rented a house evidently with his family and went into upstate New York. And while he was at this house, there's this massive library and the library had all this poetry and he started reading this poetry and he was like, Oh yeah, I forgot how much I love poetry. Mm. And uh, as a result of that, he decided he was going to start writing a little bit of poetry every day. And he has a Substack publication that is appropriately uh, titled nobody reads (laughs) poetry.com, which is hilarious um, because I'm married to a poet. Right. right? And that was the big thing. She's like, if I'm super successful, maybe I'll make (laughs) $10,000 in my life at poetry. Um, But anyway, nobody reads poetry.com. I have absolutely loved it over the last few days, just digging into it. It's, it's a lot of fun. So it reminds me of Bukowski um with just like an edge to it but also a deep wisdom to it so check out nobodyreadspoetry.com cool that's all that's all for this week yeah i'll put it in the show notes well that is going to do it it is time to wrap it up but before i go i want to remind you guys that between now when you're listening to this and february 18th 2022 you can sign up for our trip to Italy and get 350 bucks off per person. So if you want to come with me and Seth to Tuscany this summer, we would love to have you. The trip is shaping up nicely. It's really fun to see these names, most of whom we don't yet know, which is kind of cool. So come join us. I've got the link in the show notes for you to sign up to come with us to Italy. It's really affordably priced. Um, I've been, you know, as someone who plans trips and leads them as part of my job, I've been really impressed with the group we're going with and how affordable they have made things yet at the same time. What a cool itinerary we have. I mean, really and truly it's mind blowing. So please come with us. We'd love to have you. You can find this episode as well as all episodes at adrinkwithafriend.com. If you like this show and what we're doing here, as always, help keep it going by picking up the next round of drinks. We really appreciate those of you who do that. And uh, yeah, you can find the link to do that in the show notes of this episode or at adrinkwithafriend.com. And thanks so much in advance for your partnership. You can find me and how to connect with me 
at tishocktonwriter.com. You can find Seth at sethhaines.com. And you can find links to Sean and Miley's nine-month novel workshop, as well as Sean's new Substack, where he is recording his process of writing a novel with videos at seansmucker.com or just via the links in the show notes of this episode. So head there. Music for the show is by Kevin McLeod. Editing is by Kyle Oxenreiter. I'm Tish Oxenreiter with Seth Haynes, along with Sean and Miley Smucker. And we'll be back here again with you soon. Thanks for listening. Thank you.